from the entertainment capital of the world. I'm Christopher Calloway, and this is Creator Talks, the show where I interview writers and artists and other people working in comic books and in other mediums. My guest today is John Ward. He is the writer and creator of Scratcher, which is coming out this September through Antarctic Press. It's the story of Vegas tattoo artist Dee, who discovers her clients are becoming possessed by the tattoos she gave them. Her life is thrown into turmoil when she realizes her best friend Sarah has turned into a monstrous killer, seemingly controlled by her new tattoo. A guilty Dee sets out to save Sarah, but soon finds herself out of her depth as she faces off against forces she can barely comprehend. You know, I should probably have more ominous music behind this reading. But anyway, the artist is Juan Romero. I asked John what it's like working with Juan, but first, did you know John has a PhD in physics and did his thesis on string theory? So I want to talk with him first about string theory, what it's all about, and then we talk about something else he does, which is writing screen specs for television shows. What is that? What does it mean? Is he actually writing the shows that are broadcast on TV? Why does he write screen specs? And how does it help him with writing comics, which include his work with Tom Sachi, a previous guest. He co-wrote the crime noir Offbeats and Ultrabot Go Go Go. Plus, I will kick back with the creator and ask John the fun questions I ask all my guests, including the oddest job he's ever had. And his island movies, which could not be more different, but he explains why he would choose those two films. Not ones I would expect. So, without further ado, my guest on today's show, please welcome John Ward. John, welcome to Creator Talks. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me this evening. Oh, it's great to speak with you. I feel like I know you. You know, we've been going back and forth on social media and chit-chatting, and it just I, it's like we've known each other for a long time. Yeah, yeah no, it feels that way. I, I think that's the uh, the intimacy of social media allows you to, to do that and kind of develop relationships with people, which is great. Well, that's what it's there for, you know, getting to connect with people that you can't see face-to-face or those you have seen face-to-face, and you're trying to stay in touch, and that's what I do. And I, I really appreciate you reaching out. You've done a great job of reaching out. This is Chris's soapbox now. And not to be too negative about this kind of stuff, but you go about things the right way. You know, you reach out to me, you've heard the show, and sometimes I get contacted, as a lot of podcasters do, and people follow you, and then they just start to, you follow them back, and then they just start hitting you with stuff, but they don't know anything about your show, what you do, and how it goes. Just advice to people out there. If you want to be on a show and talk about your book, this is my suggestion. Just a suggestion, just one guy's opinion. If you write someone, uh, use a name. Don't say, hey, guys, (laughs) because I'm singular, so I'm not guys. I'm just guys. (laughs) And then say, yeah, I like this about the show. (laughs) Then, you know, I kind of know that uh, you've heard it and you're connecting and that's good. I think that's great advice. I think it's good to talk about it because, you know, I, I have a podcast as well and, there are ways of going about it and kind of connecting with people. And sometimes you just, you know, you get too excited and you, and you kind of forget about, you know, the other person and how they're thinking about it. And it's not always clear, like, what are the rules and what are the social mores that you should be following about doing this stuff? And so it is worth mentioning and then repeating and hopefully people will take that on board. 
Yeah, well, you, then, of course, you've been through all this. So, you know, to me, it's like a job interview where you want to know about your employer in a sense. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like if I say, John, so you got a book. What's it all about? You know, that doesn't really <laughs> serve you yeah, too well yeah. if I haven't done my homework. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, it's just proper etiquette. It's just if you're going to go to see a customer, make a sales pitch, you have to know your client. You have to know your customer. So do a little bit of homework and it goes a long, long way. But enough about that. You mentioned you have a podcast. Please tell me about the podcast. I'm Canadian. I mean, I don't sound it, but uh, but I am Canadian. Um, and I have a writer's podcast up here in Canada where I speak to Canadian, mostly uh, TV and film writers, but but writers of all stripes, um, and I talk to them about the, their process and the way they tell stories and what excites them about, you know, storytelling and the pitfalls and the, sometimes the failures that, you know, as, as writers we kind of go through. An in-depth kind of drill into kind of like the, the insights of working writers uh, in different mediums. Now, what is the name of the podcast so everyone knows? Well, it's called the uh, 49 Degrees North Writers Podcast. Okay. It's not the sexiest name, but uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it kind of sounded vaguely Canadian. So uh, without okay. it referencing like maple syrup or you know, beavers or, or stuff like that. So I kind, of, I, I kind of wanted to have that kind of flavor with it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what it's called. So you can find it in the usual, usual spaces. Very good. And how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been doing it for about two years, uh, on and off. I guess mostly off. I kind of go through spurts where I'll, you know, speak to a bunch of creators, and then you know we'll be on hiatus uh, for a while, and then I'll I'll go and do a bunch of bunch more interviews, and then put them out. So it's kind of sporadic. We've done about. 33, 34 episodes today. If people are interested in hearing from some Canadian creators, um, please go check that out. Keep it up, too, because I know, we both know, it's not easy. I mean, booking guests <laughs> and everything, because yeah. you have con season come around. Like, at least in my comic book world here, con season, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's yeah. tough because everyone's very, very busy. they got big, big commitments. So it takes a lot of work. I mean, that's the thing I have to say about your podcast. I mean, you, you do make it sounds so easy and smooth and then when i'm doing mine i'm like oh my god why is this so hard you know? <laughs> thank you very much for saying that and it takes a lot of preparation a salesperson once that i worked with you know, he would do presentations in front of the whole sales staff and he says now this sounds pretty smooth doesn't it but i was working on this all last night i was practicing and that's what you have to do for your pitch so you make it look easy but a lot goes into it and yeah. i <laughs> remembered that and i still do that yep. now before we get into the comic i have to ask you about this you have a phd in physics uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, wow. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, I guess, in some ways. I mean, I, I wasn't a physics student at school, uh, high school, uh, or math. I wasn't very good at either of those. So I had no sort of science aptitude. So nobody was more surprised than me to kind of end up doing <laughs> physics in any way, shape, or form. But I think we're all kind of driven by a lot of questions about, you know, the universe and, and, and our role in it. And I'm sure we've all spent sort of many an evening sort of drinking beer, kind of thinking about, you know, black holes and stuff like that. And I just ended up on a path that took me, you know, um, to a, a bunch of places where I was able to kind of learn and kind of figure out some things. And um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to get onto a, a PhD program and uh, yeah, I did some work in string theory. And then, um, yeah, it was a. <laughs> Just very interesting, and it, you know, it was a very sort of interesting time as it scratched that kind of intellectual itch that I think we have. But it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I kind of fell into that uh, sort of by accident in some ways. So it was an interesting time in my life, and it's you know, it, I, I still kind of help out and you know do some science 
consulting work now and then and um, occasionally kind of review some articles, but I haven't really been doing it for quite some time now. You post your thesis on your site and I began to read it and I'm like, okay, the first sentence I would have to have explained to me, <laughs> but just, just at a very high level for folks who are probably have heard of this, a thesis is very, very specific. Study it and research it very, very heavily for your thesis. That's how theses work. This was about related to string theory. Now for the layperson, that would be me. Explain at a very high level, what is string theory? This is a great question. We kind of like to think of the world as basically comprising uh, particles and waves. So when we think of particles, we're basically thinking of small kind of balls. We think of the like forces as kind of being, you know, like gravity is kind of like some kind of an attractive sort of pull or, you know, electromagnetism or some kind of like field, like a force field kind of thing. So we basically, our, our view of the world is kind of simple. It doesn't really explain everything. And when we start getting down to kind of like the microscopic scales like our theories start to become inconsistent we kind of understand it's kind of related to the fact that we're trying to describe like particle interactions in terms of these little balls um, so string theory is basically just a way to resolve those issues by kind of saying okay instead of everything being made of particles let's imagine the next simplest object and the next simplest object is like uh, is a string it's just like a, a, a line um, and if you make that change um, in your thinking, then you can explain all of the different particles as kind of vibrations on the string. And it also turns out you can explain all of the forces that we experience as also as vibrations of this string. So in, in sort of one like simple paradigm shift, I guess, in some ways, you've, you've changed your understanding of the universe as being, you know, from particles and forces to just simply like just these kind of stringy objects, and they generate everything. Uh, so that's kind of the high level sort of discussion of what it is but the implications of that are actually where things get interesting because it turns out that to describe these strings correctly you have to live in higher dimensions so we have so all of a sudden you're talking about extra dimensions and then you've got extra dimensional objects that exist in these extra dimensions and all these other fascinating things that, that come away just from changing this kind of basic postulate so that's kind of in a nutshell what it is, just kind of replacing the notion of particles with strings. And by doing so, have we come up with any solutions to things, problems, applications by having this new view of physics and particles and how they work? That's a very tough question. And I think, uh, I mean, I'm probably not the best person to answer that because I've been out of it for a while. But certainly I think it gives us the potential to understand things in a very different way. In terms of application, I, I think we're always going to struggle because you know, the energy scales we're talking about to kind of look at these things is beyond comprehension. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, very early universe kind of energy levels that you have to kind of be able to generate, which we can't do. But in terms of our understanding of, of the universe, I think it's gone a long way to kind of explaining some things. And it certainly made a very strong connection with uh, a lot of mathematics, which was, you know, a lot of pure math was very decoupled from physics. And string theory has gone a long way to kind of bring in mathematicians back in that direction. So, yes, there are interesting and important implications from that. I mean, whether it's going to turn out to be anything that's going to you know, create us hover cars and stuff like that. I mean, I think, you know, we still have to wait. But um, there's lots of ideas coming out of that field, which are kind of interesting. And I think sometimes that's the important spinoff is not necessarily the, the string theory idea itself, but how it changes people's ideas around 
what is and isn't working and, and what what we mean by sort of naturalness in physics and beauty in physics and those kind of questions, they, they can lead to, to interesting insights in different areas. I mean, it helps us to explain the universe better. It's a whole new way of thinking, which is the fascinating thing about it. And it's bringing us closer to the truth behind things or how things work with this new theory. You've taken this show to a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> Thank well, you. Think, yeah, it makes more sense when you. I mean, physics, string theory always sort of made more sense the more you drink. So if you're drinking beer right now, it's probably going to help, and it probably make more sense. Uh, if not, you may want to. You may want to go grab a beer and then like restart the podcast, and then like uh, then. <laughs> well, I want to keep the fans happy. I hope they found it interesting. I did. That's why I asked about it. Yeah, no, sure. I, mean, I think it's you know it's uh, we've all got very interesting sort of stories. I think, and and it just happens to be happens to be one of mine. But you are also a TV film writer and producer, and I was surprised by some of the series that you have worked on or worked for. Better Call Saul, Hell on Wheels, oh. <laughs> Elementary, tons. You've written screen specs. Now, those are written more to be read. Explain in more detail what is a screen spec, and have any of those actually turned into the actual screenplay that was used for the episode? So that's a great question. So uh, I should point out that I haven't worked on any of those shows, unfortunately. Um, I just want to, don't want to give people the wrong impression there. So the specs that I have are basically episodes of those shows. Typically, most TV writers, when they're starting out nowadays, are expected to uh, write their own original material um, right off the bat, which is good because you want to show your voice and you want to show your kind of storytelling but it's actually kind of hard to write an, a really good sort of uh, original pilot as a, as a sample. So one of the ways in which you can kind of learn is to kind of watch your favorite shows and really sort of study them, deconstruct them, and then write your own episode of a show in the tone, in the style uh, of the, that particular uh, world. And so that's what those scripts are on my site. They're basically, they're all the scripts, basically me sort of, doing uh, my take on a Walking Dead episode or a Medical Soul episode or a Hell on Wheels episode. They're only kind of used nowadays really for kind of fellowship applications. All of the fellowships in the States and Canada, they always look for, you know, a a spec sample. They want to see like your version of Star Trek, plus they want to see original material. So um, those are, that's what those scripts uh, actually are. Ah, okay. And you are an avid TV and film buff. So, since you're studying television films and you're watching these very closely deconstructing them, besides the ones that you've written specs for, which ones do you find you like a lot because of the script and the structure of the narrative? What are your top five? You don't have to give me five, but just with films and TV shows that you really think have a great structure great narrative and everything just comes together to make it a very solid story it's a very tough question to scenario down to five um i can say i mean star trek for me like a lot of people has been like a gateway into a lot of different things and and ironically that was the show that got me into physics uh but only because i wanted to write for star trek um but i think uh, star trek deep space nine for me was kind of one of those shows that was really pushing the boundaries of kind of doing something different with characters in a familiar world. You know, we'd seen Next Generation and we kind of knew what the Star Trek universe was, but they really tried to do something different by uh, breaking the mold in some way. So I really like that. And uh, and I kind of keep rewatching that just because it's kind of really interesting. But more recently, you know, I think, uh, I think Breaking Bad was one of those great shows where you can kind of just keep going back and studying it and, looking at what they did with with all of the characters and how they really sort of found new moments and and 
really told like a really interesting and often disturbing but uh, but certainly engaging story and i think that's the one of the one of the most interesting things with with that you know walter white as a character is you know he's reprehensible and yet we still find ourselves rooting for him so they really managed to do something really well by like sucking us in and keeping us engaged in that so um i think those are the two sort of that i kind of i certainly keep going back to time and time again just to kind of uh, help sort of keep myself in, in, in sharp and in shape kind of thing on the, on the page. Those are two very good examples. And I was just talking to a guest a couple of weeks ago and Breaking Bad came up again. And something I learned about the show when I was watching, and I think I was watching one of the making of featurettes or an interview, is that they would use a particular color for each character when right. they were on the screen. And it's something I yeah. didn't think about when I saw it. But when they said that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because there's a certain aura about the person when they're on screen, no matter where they are. And that was a very deliberate way of positioning that character. Speaking of films, I was watching a film this weekend and it was on TCM, which I watch a lot of their stuff. This segues into your book, by the way. It was called The Tattooed Stranger. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. I think it was like 1950. And it was basically a very uh, realistic police procedural crime film shot in New York. It felt very real because it wasn't a very high-budget movie or anything like that. It was a B-film by RKO. And I was watching this film, and this is something I like doing, is picking out people I recognize in the film from other films and other TV shows. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching this, and I heard the commentary before and after, and this was never mentioned, which surprised me. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, that guy sitting there in the forensics lab is Jack Lord oh. from Hawaii Five O. He had like one line in the whole movie. So that was, I guess, one of his first works was <laughs> The Tattooed Stranger. I'm like, God, that is... And I looked it up. I'm like, sure enough, it's Jack Lord. <laughs> but we're talking tattoos. We're talking, yeah, yeah. We're talking scratcher. Yeah, that's and... a perfect segue. I read all four issues. Okay. I really liked it. It's in black and white. It's really a good story. A lot of depth to the characters. A lot of very complex themes in there I want to talk about. And something that impressed me right off the bat was that there was a scene in the first issue set in Las Vegas, very clearly yeah. going through the airport. And that excites me because that's where I am now. And where I used to be oh. in Delaware, well, it never came up. It came up in Wayne's World and American Splendor. And that's about the only time I hear the state mentioned <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people in L.A., New York, Chicago would be like, oh, geez, stop mentioning the city. You know, I mean, come on. It's in every movie, but, you know, hey. But that was pretty cool. And black and white story, kind of like The Walking Dead. By the way, did you hear the news that that series just ended abruptly, the comic book? I did, yeah. I read that the other day. I was like, wow, that was a, a huge shock. You know, they said they had other issues coming, and it was like, oh, no, we actually, we actually don't. So That was very, very clever because they were solicited in advance yeah. without any kind of detail. Robert Kirkman had his ending set in mind, and that's where he ended it. In fact, it was further along than he had planned to make it initially. So I thought that was pretty brilliant, and he didn't end with number 200, which seems like the logical cap for a nice round number, but he didn't do that. Yeah. And kudos to yeah. him for doing it and keeping it quiet. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the amazing part that he was able to to do that and and people you know keep us surprised. I think that you know with your spoilers today, I mean, it's I'm not sure how that was a secret. I don't know. So you have a self-contained force story. It's a definite beginning and end. And I'm not going to give anything away other than to say, just to kind of set it up, there's a virus. I say a virus. That's what I'm calling it. But 
there's tattoos that are overcoming people and it's feeding on something almost like a parasite it feeds on what i got out of this like self-doubt and at its core it's a story about not doubting your ability following your dreams and having support from your friends and the central character d she didn't give up. Her friend Sarah supported her, sticking with being. And I thought this was an interesting point you brought out in the book. She's a tattoo artist. But she wanted to be, I guess, a fine artist of some kind. And she kind of felt it was a bit beneath her to be a tattoo artist. But I like that she didn't want to be a cubicle drone. That's a really nice take on that character. Are you speaking to certain themes that you've encountered or people you've encountered where that's a very important thing to them? Why did you bring out that aspect in the story about believing in yourself and following your dreams? When, when I'm listening to you talk about that, it kind of sounds like it's a Disney story. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not. I mean, I think that um, being a creative person is, uh, it's not an easy job. I say that as somebody who's not super creative, but I try to be creative. It's not easy and it's very easy to give up. The amount of rejection that you go through well i mean there's a lot there's a lot of it and you have to get used to it but a lot of people they quit they throw the towel in and kind of then they have to then go and, and figure stuff out and the story's kind of you know inspired by people i know who are actually you know tattoo artists who they kind of fell into it because they couldn't do other things but it's i think the theme is kind of more universal that it's you know you have to find the things you love in this life and then kind of not let them go no matter what they are and kind of keep going with it. I mean, I think that's really the, the message. It's it's easy to quit and it's easy to give up and, you know, you're only going to regret those things later on. So I think that's kind of where it was coming from. And, um, you know, I, you know, as we were talking earlier a little bit about physics and, you know, I, I don't really regret sort of leaving physics, but, you know, sometimes I do sort of, you know, I have pangs occasionally of kind of like, oh, well, maybe I should be doing that still. But I, I know what, what I want to do and I, and I want to tell stories. And so that's kind of like what I wanted to do with this story was, you know, share that kind of idea about like not giving up and making it a little bit Disney, but like not, not super Disney and uh, putting that kind of story into a different kind of setting and a different kind of world that we've seen before. Oh, absolutely. It's not Disney. I mean, if you yeah. like something like The Walking Dead, if you like lots of action and violence, it's in there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's in there. But there's also, I found beneath all of that, some very, very important themes. Like my takeaways, we must fight self-doubt and have faith in ourselves more than anything else because there's a battle going on within besides something from without which we see in this series. As readers go through the book and read the series, I won't spoil it, but there is a character who goes back and forth between faith in oneself and faith in something outside for strength, which even the main character, in a way, struggles with as well. It's a great book. It's an action book. It's horror. It's adventure. It's adult, but there's some very important themes in there. I'm curious. We see the battle within, believing in yourself, not having self-doubt, following your dreams. The virus, this thing that is overtaking people, does that represent something to you in the outside world? It does. I mean, I haven't really sort of drilled into that like in the story because I think in some ways we're trying to tell a simple story. And I think all of these other kind of things, uh, these neuroses that I have about the world and my views of the world are reflected in that virus, uh, for want of a better word. So I certainly have an attachment to it and I see it in a different way. Um, I don't necessarily think it's put into the into the story in the same way that I would articulate it but it's certainly reflective of things in there and you know if we go back to do more stories in the future then we can certainly explore that like in a little bit more detail you've been working on this for quite a while haven't you 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the um, I think it's the dirty secret of uh, of like indie comics in some ways. Like you, I had no idea going into this how long it was going to take to get this story up and running. So I think we started the first issue in 2016, 2017. So, you know, it's taken a long time to get all four done. So we only just finished uh, about a month ago, really. So. Uh, yeah, it's a long time. So these have not been released yet. You can get them if you've seen me at cons. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I have like a small print one that I've had and I've been selling them uh, at cons. But uh, now we've got them um, coming out through Antarctic Press. So you'll be able to buy them in your local comic book shop. Folks will need to ask for those books at the local comic shop. Make sure you place an order because I find that in some cases, the smaller publishers get underrepresented and it's hard to fight for that shelf space. So if you like what you're hearing right now, definitely follow up, check into it, because most comic shops, it's not any comic shop worth of salt, will definitely accommodate their customers and get a copy just for them. So we hope they carry more so people see it, but definitely get yours so you can check it out. I was very, very impressed by it. Well, thank you. And um, Antarctic are doing a deal for retailers. So if you go to your store and are a bit hesitant because it's a book they don't know, uh, you can tell them there is, uh, I think it's called Fistful of Dollars is what uh, what they're calling it. So retailers can buy uh, packs of five, I think, for 15 bucks. Um, so rather than ordering them in, individually, they can buy them in blocks and it's, it's just cheaper that way. So yeah, make sure you mention that and maybe your, your store will take Antarctic up on that offer. And for people that are going to be missing The Walking Dead, and even though this isn't a zombie story, if you like that sort of thing, well, there you are. <laughs> you got your series all set to go. So... People don't have to wait too long to get more excitement back in their comics, dealing with viruses and creatures and monsters and that type of story in glorious black and white. Now tell me about the team on the book, what you know about them, the artist Juan Romero and your letterer Ed Grissom, in terms of what each is like to work with and their other work. It's a great question. Uh, so Juan Romero uh, is an Argentinian artist. He's currently doing a lot of different things. Uh, Rebirth of the Gangster is, is one that he's doing uh, with CJ Standall. He's got a lot of work out in anthologies, um, so please check out uh, his website, which I think is juanromero.com. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. I was looking for somebody who could tell a story that would work grayscale, essentially. There was a lot of great artists out there, but I wasn't sure about their grayscale work. But his stuff just kind of, by miles, like the best thing I'd come across. And, um, you know, I spoke with him about getting involved and he was excited and, uh, you know, he's done an amazing job. I mean, the, the art just gets better and better as we go through the issues. He really uses, you know, the blacks like really effectively and makes it suspenseful and dynamic. And it's, yeah, I can't say enough great things about him. He's a fantastic artist and a, and a great person to work with. Um, and Eric Grissom was the letterer for our book. And Eric is a writer. You know, that's what he does. I mean, he's a comic book writer. He's wrote uh, Dead Horse. Gregory's Suicide was uh, the, the last thing that came out uh, on Dark Horse. And he's got a, a new book that's going to be coming out soon. Um, and he's a you know, fantastic writer and he does his own lettering for his books. And so I, I wasn't sure about my own lettering ability. So I, I wanted to get somebody who I, I liked and Eric uh, graciously uh, accepted to work on the book. And he did an amazing job. You know, his, his attention to detail and ideas, uh, his suggestions have always been really helpful and really sort of help make the story uh, stronger, I think, uh, by coming on board. And, and I think we work well as a team, the, the three of us kind of going back and forth, everybody else covering my mistakes and um, you know, <laughs> making the story what it is. So that's great. <laughs> well, you have enough lifting to do as it is as the writer. You definitely need someone to help with the lettering too. I mean, that's that's a lot. So much work. You know, I'm still pretty new to, to that side of it. So, you know, having somebody like Eric 
uh, you know, really sort of doing that and taking that load off me. I, it was, you know, it's a, it's a big weight off your mind, though, knowing that somebody good is going to really sort of elevate it. The dialogue and, and the captions are always kind of a little challenging sometimes. I mean, I read them out loud, you know, as I, you know, after I've written them to see what they sound like, but then you're never quite sure how they're going to work when you read them. Um, and Eric was really good at kind of like making them sort of work as you as you read them, which was you know which was my big sort of worry sort of going into this. Do you read them out loud? I, I do uh, at home. I read this. I read off the script. I mean, I don't read the directions, but yeah, I actually just walk around like my place and uh, pretend to play all the different uh, characters just to kind of hear what it sounds like. And I think that comes from doing other kinds of writing where you kind of want to hear it. When you've written things, you you kind of get lost in it, and you kind of. As you read it, your, your brain sort of tricks you into thinking it makes sense. But then when you hear somebody else say the words, you can hear like, oh, I don't need that. Or, mm. oh, that doesn't sound correct. It doesn't sound like how this character would speak. So I found it kind of be a useful way to kind of get past some of the, the dialogue impasses that we run into just to kind of actually say it aloud. Uh, you know, it does make you look a little bit weird, but um, <laughs> I, you know, if my neighbor, neighbors are listening, like, you know, it's, uh, it's okay. It's all explained now. Like... Uh, I was just, just acting it out. That's a good tip for people that are writing. And this isn't your first rodeo. I mean, people that have listened to the show, they have heard Tom Sachi on my show, and we talked about Offbeats and Ultrabot Go, Go, Go. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, Tom, uh, um, and I really liked that uh, episode that you did with Tom. And, um, yeah, it was great Like to, to work on Offbeats. Was, um, it was a real challenge. Uh, I mean, Tom mentioned that you know he had a very particular um, thing he was going for with this kind of 50s, style dialogue uh, so yeah it was a, it was kind of interesting having to go through like youtube and kind of you know reading the books and um trying to put yourself into that time period and kind of pick up the slang and and then write in that slang it was kind of it was a real challenge and uh, i liked it because it's not the kind of thing that you get to do every day so uh, it was a it was a great experience and i, I really loved the book and um, i hope people are enjoying it uh, i think the trade comes out soon so hopefully people will pick that up and and check that out uh, Giles Crawford did the art, and, and I mean, it's really incredible. Uh, Tom always kind of wanted this uh, Euro comics kind of style, and Giles just knocked it out of the park. You know, it looks so Tintin-esque, it's almost spot on, and uh, except for the you know the, the absurd amount of violence that we have in, in the book. But uh, yeah, it was a great book to be part of. I really liked it because I like film noir, and you had the banter down, the patter, the speech, the slang, so I thought that was phenomenal so i really really enjoyed that so if folks like crime noir definitely get that trade it's well worth reading it's a really good story thank you so you're sticking with comic writing clearly because you might be doing something else with scratcher down the road a sequel perhaps or something would it be the same character would it be another character what's going to happen that's a good question i mean i i thought about it like in a superficial sense i mean i think there are other stories that we can tell in this world we set up a lot of questions and we answer a lot of questions but we don't answer everything there are opportunities to kind of go back and sort of like poke away at some of these other questions and character pieces that are, that are in there. So I can't say it would be um, with the same characters, but I also wouldn't say it wouldn't be with the same characters. I think you can kind of play around with things uh, in comics. And I think we're seeing that right now with Criminal, which is, you know, just a fantastic book. And, you know, all of these sort of characters that sort of come and go and uh, each issue is, you know, does something different but still telling a story in that kind of same world and I think with Scratcher we could do something like that too. And folks when I say the same character it may not be who you think it doesn't mean necessarily that the character survives I'm not giving anything away here <laughs> oh no 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 you have to read it and find it for yourself and Absolutely. besides that it's not just the ending it's the journey how you get there that's important so 
that's what all good story is all about. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any cons planned to support the book? I know you've been out there selling it as an indie book, but now that you're going to be going out through Antarctica Press, anything lined up? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if there's anything specific lined up this year. I applied to uh, a couple but earlier in the year and I, and I didn't get in, so it'll be probably be next year. So I've applied for Emerald City. Uh, hopefully there'll be something before then, but I'm not really sure right now. So yeah, stay tuned on that one, I guess. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm always on Twitter, uh, so um, I'll certainly be posting about it uh, once I know more. But that's the plan is to kind of try and go to a few more cons and, and get the book out there a little bit because it's it's still hard. I mean, there's a lot of great books out there right now that, that I can't get um, in my store. And it's not that the guys in the store don't want to get them in. It's just it's, it's some of them are just tricky to find. And sort of going to cons, I think, is a good way to kind of connect with the creators and pick up their books and um, you know chat with them about it in person, which is always the, the best way I find of engaging with this material. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question. Every creator I talk to, you have to be out there. It's a lot of work, especially when you're trying to get writing and art done. But you yeah. have to be out there to meet the public because you're one of many books. And yeah. I have found, and that's why I do what I do now in the podcast, is when you talk to the person, you find out more about what went into the book, what's their perspective, the kind of person that they are. And you can also see people that really, really, really want to succeed and have a plan. So you got to be out there. And the other great thing is, too, you get feedback from people. You can't work in isolation. You know, They'll tell you, I like this. And some of them will be very direct. I don't like that. So... You get the good and the bad. I love that. I mean, it's kind of one of the things that it kind of scares you in some ways, but it's also really important. I mean, uh, I remember a con I did last year and and, uh, some little kid basically was going through my books and just standing at the table, just looking, going through, just reading them and just sort of had a real look of disgust on his face and then... (laughs) It's just walked off. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's fair enough. And then um, you sort of came back the next day and then brought them all. So it's kind of, you know, it was, uh, yeah, I guess maybe that time to think about it overnight. I don't know. It was just, uh, it was sort of a humbling and yet sort of uplifting experience at the same time. So I kind of like that. And it's, uh, you don't really get that in other in other avenues. Certainly, you know, a lot of the, when, when I've been doing film stuff, you you know, you send, send scripts in and then, you know, you get, anonymous notes back from people and you know they're not really interesting sometimes and you don't really know how people like it mm-hmm. or whether you know if they like it at all they're just kind of fulfilling a function uh, but when you're at cons you, you you know if people like it or not it's interesting you know i don't know what was going through that kid's head and why he came back but i know how i am and i might see a movie or read a comic and i'm like ah oh, that's gross oh my i can't get that out of my head and then I'm like, you know what? That was really good because I can't get it out of my head. And that really hit me emotionally. So I know that they did a good job. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's maybe what it was. It was just, you know, that I just remember that look of disgust. <laughs> it was just sort of looking at me. Sort of, <laughs> and I wasn't sure if he was kind of like, you know, judging me as a writer or who is he judging? But it was, uh, it was a great moment. Uh, <laughs> one of the highlights. <laughs> well, I'm curious. That since you make comics, you write comics. Do you collect them? Do you read them? And if so, what do you like? I do. Um, I run out of room, uh, so I <laughs> try to cut back. Um, I think that's the thing about comics is that you start off small, and then all of a sudden you suddenly find yourself with a habit, uh, mm-hmm. and you're just getting comics left, right, and center. So I've, I've made a conscious effort 
in the past couple of years to sort of cut back on the number of floppies I've been getting for sure. Uh, yeah, right now I'm picking up uh, Criminal and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, and um, uh, Outcast. Those are the, the books I've definitely been getting. Other than that, I've been picking up trades at cons. Uh, so those are the things I try to gravitate towards. Or if, if people don't have trades, at least like collected issues, so I can I can pick those up. So I still read comics, just not buying as many because I got nowhere to put them now. So it's a it's a, it's a problem. Understand completely. I have the same problem, and I've discussed this on the show before. I just I would just buy buy buy. When I first started, when I was like twelve, I had a little box that I jandle my comics into. I mean, like a really small box. Like it probably held like yeah. 20. And then that just ballooned over the years. And I had comic books come and go and trade and sell and back and forth, but they had always kept growing despite that. And space is a consideration. So today, thank God, we have things like digital comics, trades, yeah. and the floppies. And like I've told people this before, I, I buy all three. I do all three different kinds because the digital doesn't take up as much space. Because right now I have a space situation where I don't have the basement anymore i don't have i would never put my books in an attic but i don't have that so i have to be really smart about where they go yeah. but it's hard when you like comics when you love comics and you love to read them and you like having that tangible feeling in your hand you can't get away from that completely but you really yeah. have to manage your desire to just keep buying and buying but fortunately for me i have somebody that's watching me <laughs> the misses and it's like uh yeah, so credit cards there, like yeah, no more. You cut off. Like. I looked at the credit card bill, and she's like circling stuff, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I can't argue with you there. You got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I, I will say, um, uh, if people haven't been going to their local libraries, uh, I would definitely recommend going to your library. I mean, oh, yes. they have an amazing selection for the most part of, of trades uh, and they can get other things too if you if you uh, request things so uh, that's also a good option if you don't want to buy something uh, go to the library and uh, and you can take it out on loan from there I've been doing a little bit too I'm glad you brought that up because that's true when I've been to the library and <laughs> I have been <laughs> When I've been to the library years ago. No, I, I've been going more frequently, actually. Um, I haven't located one out here yet where I am, but back in Delaware, I was going to the library like every couple of weeks. Yeah. And they do have a great selection of trades. And it's a great way to check something out. And if you like it and you think you're going to keep reading it, well, I mean, this might yeah. be a reason to go out and buy it. We're kind of getting into that kicking back with the creator territory because we're already kicking back and talking about you and things about you outside of comics. You've heard these questions before. You've listened to this show. Yeah. So... My first question, rest and relaxation, what do you do? I, I actually hike. Ah, excellent. I, I never thought I would hike. I always thought of hike as just, hiking as just like walking up a hill. Uh, so I like, had no appeal to me. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and, you know, the hiking trails here are amazing. Uh, and so I like nothing more than just kind of going off on my own into the forest, uh, you know, going up a mountain and just being in the absolute stillness. I mean, I'm terrified like a bear or, or a cougar is going to attack me in the middle of nowhere, but that hasn't happened yet. I've been okay, but I really like just the exercise and kind of getting into those kind of um, spots where there's no sound of any kind and you can just mm -hmm. stop and you can hear your heart beating. And it's kind of, it's really strange. I never thought I would be interested in something like that, uh, but I do find it really relaxing. Getting away from the city, getting away from everything else and just kind of being out in the wilderness has been really good. So that's kind of what I do for relaxation 
I urge everyone to do that at least once in their life if they haven't, because it is amazing when you get someplace that's so quiet. I was hiking in Vermont uh, in the early 2000s, and I was in there with a friend of mine, and we're just walking through the woods, and it's very, very quiet, and a fly was coming my direction, and it sounded like an airplane, because there was yeah, no, yeah. no other sound around. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, everything's <laughs> amplified, right? Yeah. It's kind of the slightest noise sounds you know like a like a hurricane coming i mean it's uh it's it's a really strange experience i think we're so used to everything being noisy all the time and right. you know getting away from that like you know it's like when you have a power outage everything stops you don't hear the hum of the mains it's really unnerving right because you kind of like you're so used to it but you don't really notice it right so you hear that what nothing <laughs> you know it, it is eerie and you know people come out of their houses and they're just kind of standing in the street and it's like so <laughs> we just went back like oh, yeah. 150 years <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good way of getting to know people, I guess. You know. <laughs> <laughs> have you encountered any wildlife, like bears and cougars? I mean, I know, obviously you haven't had any bad encounters, but have you seen any? We got black bears um, coming down where we are in BC. I mean, further north we get uh, grizzlies, but they, they don't come this far south. But yeah, I've seen black bears when I've been hiking, and it's been a surprise for both of us. You know, I haven't expected to see them. They haven't expected to see me. I, you know, luckily we've both sort of uh, retreated. Bears are smart; they know that if they smell us and uh, come upon us, they should run away, and and, and that's what happened uh, when I encountered them. So it, it was you know terrifying and also you know kind of just amazing to see at the same time. You know, as the bear sort of runs away and and you see them going off into the distance, um, and then I quickly retreated because obviously there's bears around, so it's not. Uh, not safe to be uh, wandering into their territory. Uh, but yeah, that's been the only sort of encounter with, with a big sort of mammal. I mean, you see you know, smaller creatures and uh, eagles and stuff, uh, hawks all the time. But yeah, that's been like the bear encounter story has pretty, pretty much been that. I hope they're all good. <laughs> well, they will be great so far. I mean, um, you don't want to run into bears, but you know, you want to be bear aware in that sense. Absolutely. Uh, yep. So you know what to do. And um you have to respect it's their territory. Um, you, know, you know, if you go and hiking up in the mountains, uh, they are going to be there. So be prepared. Now, taking a little trip down memory lane, birthday, your favorite. Why was it your favorite? It's kind of interesting. Though. So birthdays for me have always kind of been a bit strange. Um, I, I've never really been a big celebrator of birthdays, and I don't really know why. I, I'm sure if I went to a therapist, they'd be able to sort of help me with that. So I think I I think my favorite was probably when I was 17 I got a brand new skateboard but it was basically a full setup that was uh, my favorite birthday because you know I was starting to skateboard and you know borrowing other people's stuff up until that point so that was the first time I actually sort of owned something myself uh, so I think that was the best one don't mean to pin you into a corner with this question because I know it's tough to narrow things down when I throw these questions out. But this is the <laughs> yeah. this is the hypothetical situation: the desert island, stuck on the island. You get one book or a set of books that are related. Keep your company. What would you want to have with you? This is one of those questions where, like, you ask people and like it changes, yeah. you know, with, with the season. So right at the moment, um, I would probably take Jerusalem uh, by Alan Moore because it's really long and like I've started trying to read it five times. And I still I keep getting to the same place in book two of three, and I keep stopping. So I kind of think that like if I took it to a desert island, it might be the only time I actually read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's what I would take, I think, right now. that's uh, That will probably change by the end of the week, and I will probably have a different answer. But yeah, that's the book I would take right now. Now, you do find a DVD player there. 
it works. So what's the one movie you want to have to watch? Because you only get one. Yeah, that's a that's an almost impossible question. But I think it would either be Pi or Evil Dead. So one of those two movies, and that would be a toss-up. Uh, I would be happy with one or the other, um, but ideally both. I'd probably look for a double uh, double DVD pack that has both. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, I think those those two, which is kind of bizarre because they're not my two favorite films by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they're like the ones that I keep going back to because they inspire me to do other things and you know there's lots of great movies out there and you watch them and you get entertained you think about them for a few minutes or you chat with your friends about what they're about they sort you sort of slot them away in your mind like oh yeah i've seen that movie i liked it or i didn't like it but pi is just one of those things i just keep watching it and it's just keeps making me ask questions and gives me ideas and, and make you know it's just one of those kind of things and same with evil dead i just love going back to it and um and enjoying it but then also like the the things that spin off from it i think are the, are the things that would keep me sane the other hypothetical an action figure is made of you what is your accessory when i thought about this i, I had lots of different answers but i think it would be a skateboard the, the accessory i would have but it would be a skateboard with euler's formula written on it so it would tie tie the kind of like the physics and the, the skateboarding together that would be the uh, add-on that i would have for my action figure all right this is the important question your beverage of choice. It's a craft beer. There's a lot of craft breweries uh, in Vancouver, and there's one um, on Vancouver Island, which isn't too far away, by a brewery called Phillips, and they make a, a pumpkin ale. It's delicious. It's the best pumpkin beer I've I've ever had. It's perfectly balanced. Like there's not too much spices in it. Um, you get the pumpkin, but it's not you know uh, overwhelming it's not sickly so i love it so much that like i've brought it by the crate before and so i would happily drink that year round i don't care if it's not halloween uh, i will just drink it all the way through the summer uh, and, I, and i frequently do so <laughs> that's my beverage of choice that is one of my favorite ales and i haven't heard of that one but the pumpkin ales i didn't find it this year i was disappointed i think it was called long trail they made it in a larger bottle it's like limited uh, edition limited batch it's the best one i've had yet that's great i went to a pumpkin beer festival um a few years ago and it was horrible because, you know, I didn't really realize how subtle the balance is with making those kind of beers. I mean, you can't just kind of think, oh, it's, it's kind of easy. Just put some spices in, but it's but it's not. And I must have drank about like 10 or 15 different pumpkin beers and they were just they were almost undrinkable. I was really surprised to find a good one. You know, you got to you got to stick to it and uh, keep supporting them. Yeah, there's quite a range that falls under pumpkin ale It can range from like too sweet too pumpkin-y to just more like an Oktoberfest brew. Yeah, and then one I had was a pumpkin, um, I think it was curried pumpkin. Um, so I love curry and I love pumpkin beer. So I was like, wow, this is going to be a match made in heaven. And it was uh, not, sadly, match made in hell. I think it was, it was not that great. <laughs> now, what is the oddest job you've ever had outside of comics? Something that you did to make ends meet, could have been while you were in school, just something a little different that you remember. I guess apart from being a physicist too, I guess. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it's even that odd, but I worked on a mini golf course. So I was the, the attendant and cleaner for that. Uh, so I you know, worked there, like opened in early in the morning and closed late at night. And I was just basically in a little hut all day, uh, handing over putters and balls to people who wanted to play. Uh, so that was probably the, the weirdest one I had you know you had complete autonomy I mean like you know I had the keys um I didn't have a boss well I did but like I never saw them 
you know, you just got paid, you know, anonymously. So it was just kind of a very unusual position to be in. And you got to meet some very strange people who were remarkably obsessed uh, with mini golf. So that was kind of an unusual, unusual job to have. I was wondering about that if you had people that were regulars and that got really into it and at times frustrated. I mean, I got frustrated too, Reverend, because the weirdest thing that happened to me is that, um, so I, I was doing this in England where I grew up and we had a solar eclipse. And so, you know, it's a solar eclipse. Like, I mean, it's not like they happen every week. I mean, they, you know, they're the very irregular occurrences for us. So I closed up the mini golf uh, because it was a solar eclipse and you know I went away and watched it and I came back and then I was just, just taking abuse from everybody all these people were so hardcore about their mini golf that they basically lined up uh, all the time while there was a solar eclipse going on expecting me to to be open we had a bit of a disagreement of opinion about about things and um, it just struck me that like they were really really passionate about it and I'd see them Every couple of days, they keep coming back, and they loved it. You know, it's like all all hobbies. I mean, we'll have strange hobbies and, and things that we're very passionate about. I just kind of was really just frustrated that like it was a solar eclipse, and uh, they, were, they were giving me shit because you know if it's closed, I wouldn't turn on the lights because it was a solar eclipse. So just it's very strange. I have no control over this. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so some of those people were, I think, took it a little bit too seriously. But yeah, I mean, you'd see you'd see people every day, and they'd come down, and you know, families would come down, and it'd be a thing that they'd do together, and uh, you know, that's always good. I mean, you know, watching them, uh, there's always one person who's better, and, and one person who's not quite as good uh, in a group, and you'd see that the same thing every day, and you know, you'd sort of start to feel a little guilty for the people who weren't weren't quite as good it's an interesting it was an interesting sort of way to sort of look at people and, and see how they interact and uh, and how they get obsessed with a sport you know this is a very obvious question and i can't believe i didn't ask it right off the bat do you have a tattoo um, <laughs> no i don't i have um like a bunch of like psoriasis and eczema so i can't get a tattoo without it without it scarring over so that i've been unfortunate i haven't been able to do that uh, since i was a kid but everybody i know has tattoos and it's kind of you know i, I always love them and i love going to the shows and seeing the artistry and, and seeing what people can get uh, but yeah i just don't have one myself all right i don't either but i do see a lot of them around me everybody seems to have one and i thought about it but i was like i need to change things up too much i think that's the irony for a lot of tattoos and, and i think you know a lot of tattoo artists you know have to unfortunately have to do the same tattoos over and over again on people and it was always funny when people would get them and say it was like a mark of individuality and then everybody else has got the exact same tattoos <laughs> and you're kind of looking at them going yeah that's like super super unique so in some ways the fact that you don't have a tattoo does make you unique so i think you should uh, you shouldn't lose sight of that <laughs> final question how do you define success because really the measure is up to the individual not to everybody else outside you unless of course you know you want to get paid for your job but that's meeting your objectives but for you what is success? This is a great question. And I think for me, success is, is being happy with my process. You have to learn to love the process and not the outcomes. As you said, I mean, sure, it'd be nice to get to get paid, but you, there always, always going to be something else that's going to be, you know, the next level up and you're always going to be chasing things. So for me, success is kind of being able to fall in love with the process and, and feel that like I've told like a really, really good story. That's for me is, is success, like that pursuit of telling a story that I love and hopefully other people do too but that the process of creating it uh, I think is that's when you know 
when you're writing something or you're seeing pages come in, like whether you really love it or not. And, and for me, that's how I define success. Excellent. Very good answer. Very good answer. I agree 100%. You've got to love what you're doing. And if you're happy with it, that's a success. Yeah. Uh, you know, because if you chase anything else, I mean, you know, it's impossible. Like, you know, one minute you everyone's making like vampire movies. And then if you're starting to do that, then by the time you've done something, it's already moved on. So mm-hmm. you've got to love it because you love it. And if you surround yourself with people who love it too, then that's great. And then you can try and find those other people who love it. But you should never do something just because somebody's giving you, you know, uh, the paycheck or you think it's going to be something that people want. I, you know, I've made that mistake in the past and it's never worked out. You know, no matter who's involved, it's always been an experience that's kind of gone wrong or gone sideways. And that's why I think you always have to kind of you know, be honest with yourself and, be prepared to fail, but like at least fail telling a story that you want to tell and that you love because that way you can still love it. And now we've come full circle in that the satisfaction comes from within, not from something you get as a reward from without. Yeah, it sounds very sad. It sounds like I almost know what I'm talking about. But I, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I hope that's what people can take from the book and from life in general. I think uh, we're trying to find those things that, that satisfy us and make us happy. And, and that's really a good thing. So you want a comic book that satisfies? Scratch that itch. Scratcher coming out in September through Antarctic Press. Writer John Ward. Also... Writer and co-creator of Offbeats, coming out in trade, and Ultrabots Go, Go, Go. John, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. All right, folks. I already have more interviews in the can, ready to go, and I have some more planned. But before I tell you who's coming up in the next two weeks, I want to hold off first. I'm not sure which order I want to release those in yet. I may have some coming up that are timely, and I want to get out to you sooner. So we'll see. But you can find out first if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. You can also subscribe to the podcast. It's free. All the content is completely free. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, voice-enabled smart speakers, and also on Spotify. From time to time, I'm going to try to do more video interviews with people that are here in Las Vegas, either working here locally or visiting our great city for a convention or a book signing. So by following me on my YouTube channel, you can see those videos and I will release the audio too afterwards. So if you don't have time to watch videos, you can certainly listen to the audio as a podcast episode. Also be on the lookout for my Saturday Silverage and Sunday Bronze Age comics from my collection. And last week, this also included my G.I. Joe comics. These came with the action figures back in the 60s and 70s. Little tiny comic books that were so cool and had some great art in them. I don't know who the artist was. I cannot find that information, but I'll keep digging. And if you know, please let me know either through social media or you can email me directly, contact at creatortalks.com. That's contact at creatortalks.com. And I will continue to post my Saturday and Sunday comic books, as well as other little tchotchkes and memorabilia that I have that I have collected and put together since I moved here to Las Vegas. It's more accessible to me, so I'll be able to put one of those up every now and then on the weekends or maybe just spur of the moment. Maybe you'll remember some of these items from your childhood and share yours and share the books that you're enjoying and reading each week. And so I hope you did enjoy your comic books this week that you received on New Comic Book Day, be they print, digital, trades, graphic novels. It's all good. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, the weekend coming up, 
be good to one another, enjoy time with family and friends, and enjoy those comic books, be they brand new or back issues. For Creator Talks, this has been Christopher Calloway. Until next time.